Hey, everybody. Why is there a 79-day waiting period between the election and the inauguration? It was an act of brilliance by the founding fathers. Also, where is the evidence of voter fraud? And how can we logically and rationally infer that there's a lot more voter fraud out there than even our, what our research would suggest? Also, what is going on with Sidney Powell and the Trump legal team? All of this and more is brought to you by those of you that support us at charliekirk.com slash support, charliekirk.com slash support. When you chip in at charliekirk.com slash support, you make all of this work possible and you allow the work we do at The Charlie Kirk Show to stay strong and for us to reach millions of young people every single day. Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. If you want to get involved with Turning Point USA, go to tpusa.com, tpusa.com. Very critical episode. Buckle up, everybody. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hello, everybody. Charlie Kirk here, host of The Charlie Kirk Show. Big week ahead. Some people are taking this week off, but we are diving deep into the stories that matter most, especially as we are trying to make sense of an election that seems like it's not yet been decided. Typically, when we have elections, there is a finality to it. There is a moment where you say, this is over, time to celebrate or move on. For many different reasons, that moment has not yet come. Instead, it is a very aggressive push by the activist media and the Democrat elite and even some Republicans to get Joe Biden into the office of the presidency of the United States. And all the while, we have now seen a pattern of voting irregularities, some would call it fraud, in many of the key states. Many of these states have not yet certified their election results because they see exactly what we see. And there was a really interesting comment that someone told me the other day, and I reiterated this yesterday as I was speaking in three services in, right outside of Sac- Sacramento, California at Destiny Church, great church. And someone pulled me aside and they said, Charlie, there are zero institutions that I trust. And I thought to myself, that's a very profound statement because that's probably the first time in my lifetime where normal people, regular people, would look at the landscape of power centers and they would say, I don't trust any major institution that is supposed to mold culture or is supposed to communicate truth. I, I thought more about this, and I said I probably completely agree. The media companies, we don't trust them, especially ones that we used to trust. The colleges that we're supposed to send our kids to, we don't trust those. The corporations we're supposed to buy products from, we don't p- trust those. The tech companies, which really should be called data companies, they do very little 
in the world of technology. They do a lot more in the world, the world of surveillance capitalism, where they mine all your data and find ways to use it against you. We don't trust them. We don't trust the Wall Street bankers. We don't trust our politicians. We don't trust our civil servants. We don't trust even our professional athletes. I think 2020 will go down as the post-institutional year where the major power centers that are the institutions that are supposed to bind our civilization together have been tossed aside or have crumbled in front of you. We don't trust the CDC. We don't trust the WHO. We don't trust the infectious disease experts. And by the way, I think a lot of this distrust, in fact, all of it is really warranted because there are very complex at times contradictory incentives that the people in charge have against us. And so I can attribute this to two reasons why all of a sudden people are looking at the power centers and saying, I don't trust anything that they're telling me. I don't trust the way we tabulate votes. I don't trust the way that we test people for the virus. I don't trust, I don't trust the way that we measure the GDP. I don't trust the way that the New York Times writes stories. I don't trust any of it. How did, how did that happen? Well, the first reason to give a little bit of grace and a little bit of rope to the institutional power centers is that in a social media digital age, it's a lot easier to fall and it's a lot easier to criticize and a lot easier to be able to poke holes in these massive power centers. And so when the New York Times gets something wrong, we are able to spread, publicize, and make it well known that this massive power institution is not communicating the truth. But the second reason is a lot more sinister than that, is that these power centers no longer view themselves as participants in the pursuit of truth. Instead, they view themselves as chess pieces in a broader game to try and deconstruct an entire civilization. Instead, they see themselves as playing in this game of oppressor versus oppressed. And so when people come up to me and they say there are zero institutions that I trust, that should make everyone take pause. That is a fire alarm for a country. 20 years ago, after 9-11, as we did the reckless war in Iraq, people still trusted some of their institutions. There were still places that they could retreat to to help make sense of the chaos. Do you want to know why Joe Rogan gets hundreds of millions of podcast downloads every single month? Do you want to know why there's a 16-year-old teenager that has 98 million followers on TikTok? It's because all the places that are supposed to have authenticity and make sense of the chaos and communicate values are crumbling and shattering in front of our eyes. And so individuals take the place. And quite honestly, this program here has benefited from the post-institutional era that we are entering, where people with bylines, massive buildings, the institutions that once kept our country together are now being mocked, ridiculed, and not taken seriously at all. So this program, so this, this podcast 
this radio show, this live stream has benefited from this. And so all of a sudden you see individuals start to fill the void. Now, the the trouble with that is all of a sudden when people start to fill the void of institutions is there's not the same sort of, in the idealistic sense, checks and balances of copy editors and fact checkers to be able to dive deeper into a specific story. So all of a sudden you are going to have, especially in the social media era, people self-reinforce their viewpoints around certain communicators, shows, podcasts that they really agree with. And in the post-institutional age that we're in, the way that the broken institutions are handling this is not by telling us that they've made mistakes and all of a sudden being more transparent. In fact, they're becoming more combative and more aggressive. The New York Times is now saying on the front page of the New York Times this morning, an attempt to wipe out urban voters. That's how they describe President Donald Trump's fight for election integrity. Around any sort of skepticism towards how we test in this country or the Chinese coronavirus, it says somehow that the far right and critics of China are pushing unsubstantiated pandemic claim, claims. They call it partners in misinformation. And so instead of actually trying to self-correct, course correct, some of the problems that these institutions have created in our country, such as academia actually becoming far less monolithic and far less sociopathic and pathological. Instead, we are now in this post-institutional era where the institutions think that no matter what, they will always be around. They have the staying power. And the significance of this, especially as we're getting into this Sidney Powell story and the vote tabulation story and whether or not we are going to be able to prove the great steel, which absolutely exists, is that it's kind of irrelevant at this point whether or not the Trump team is going to be able to prove this in court for what the base is going to think, for what the 60 to 70 million people are going to view. It does matter of whether or not President Trump's going to serve a second term. But what's, but what's irrelevant is that these institutions have fallen so far from where they should be is that normal people are going to distrust anything that they are told. And that's very hard to govern a country that way. And it only reinforces the need to find out exactly what happened in this election. Who is involved? Dominion voting systems, foreign actors, and so much more. Let me tell you about Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers began with the standard of bringing top quality, 100% American-born, raised and harvested meat to families across America. This vision was instilled into them from their grandparents that owned community grocery stores and believed in trust, charity, and family values. GoodRanchers.com partners directly with only American ranchers from across the United States to bring the highest quality meat straight to your door. GoodRanchers.com. Get 100% American-raised beef right to your door. Beef the way it used to be. Get America's best grass-fed beef. Finished beef delivered straight to your door. Don't forget that shipping is always free and the taste is always delicious. GoodRanchers.com. 100% American beef, chicken, and more. Support American ranchers and support the American economy. 
Get 100% American-born raised and harvested beef and chicken delivered straight to your door. Visit GoodRanchers.com to find the perfect package for your family. Get the good stuff with Good Ranchers. T-bones, ribeyes, fillets, and more. Don't forget, home delivery is always free. GoodRanchers.com delivers your favorite meals right to your door. Go to GoodRanchers.com to view all their American beef and chicken packages. Use the promo code CHARLIE to save $20 off your purchase. That's GoodRanchers.com right now and use the promo code CHARLIE and save $20 off for a limited time only. GoodRanchers.com, promo code CHARLIE. So there was a lot of news made over the weekend around Sidney Powell and the Trump legal team. I got many emails from people saying, is President Trump distancing himself from Sidney Powell. And let me first say, I am friends with Sidney. I know her very well. I knew her well before she was kind of a household name, before she was even a lawyer for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn. In fact, Sidney Powell spoke at our Turning Point USA Young Women's Leadership Summit in 2017 and 2018 in Dallas, Texas. As soon as Sidney became the lawyer for Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, I knew that good things would start to happen. And now that Sidney Powell has been involved in the election fight, I have been very pleased to see her start to begin to work on a lot of the a lot of the issues that have been surrounding the election. And so I think Sidney has come under unwarranted criticism. I will say that as a friend of Sydney, she has a very high bar now to fulfill. She's gotten a lot of people's hopes up. She has. She knows that. She has about 20 to 30 million people believing and thinking, and maybe rightly, that there's going to be a bombshell tranche of evidence that will be dropped at any moment, and President Trump will be able to reverse all this nonsense and this fraud that we've been showing here on this program. She's been focusing on Smartmatic, Dominion voting systems. She's been focusing on how Smartmatic has Venezuelan ties. All of that, those are legitimate. And I think it's been a little unfair for people to go out of their way to try and criticize her. With that being said, I do think it's time for her to start providing some evidence where she can to the public. I do. I think that it's long past time for Sidney Powell to at least give us some tease of where this is headed. And this is why, is that the court of public opinion matters as well, is that we are out in the streets as patriots. We are doing this program. We are communicating with millions of people every single day. We want to know how to properly be able to articulate the case to prove that this election was stolen from President Donald Trump. It's very important. And so the Trump legal team came out this weekend and said that Sidney Powell is working uh, law on her own. She is not associated with the president. I think some people read into this as if she had a complete and total dismissal from the Trump team. I don't read it that way, at least from my uh, sources from the Trump campaign and people that I know within the uh, Trump family. I have been told that it's much more it's much more nuanced than that that Sydney is able to work quick quicker and a lot better on the outside not having to go through the process of being officially one of President Trump's lawyers. And look, now now we're getting into crunch time. Uh Sydney Powell has said 
and I pray that this happens, that an epic lawsuit is coming this week. And remember, this is why I want to see Sydney start to at least discuss some of this stuff publicly is because there's a narrative war that sets in as well. I totally get the idea of having certain evidence that is only going to be provided in front of a jury or in front of a judge. I get that. However, you can start to make some of these arguments and at least start to tease where some of this evidence would be coming from to also keep the Trump movement together. If she has what she says she has, then as Tucker Carlson said, it would be the biggest scandal in American political history. And that would be it would be helpful, at least for the health of the country, that this wasn't just thrown on the entire republic as a surprise. In fact, it would be nice for us to be able to communicate to moderates and independents that, hey, this election actually didn't end the way you think it would. It'd actually keep the country together. It'd be a lot healthier way to go about this. Sidney Powell agrees she's not part of the Trump legal team, says lawsuit coming this week. It will be epic by Christina Wong. Lawyer Sidney Powell said in, this is Breitbart.com, said in a statement Sunday evening, that she understood the Trump campaign statement that she's not part of the camp legal team and she's proceeding to file an epic lawsuit this week. Biblical proportions, she has said. And let me be very clear. I am Sidney Powell's biggest supporter and fan when it comes to this. I want her to drop a lawsuit that will hopefully be able to prove all of these suspicions that we have with hard evidence that a judge will not dismiss. And I think that we should all give her the trust and the time that she has earned in our movement. It's a high threshold for her to prove. It is. She's gotten a lot of people's hopes up. But I think that any of this criticism towards Sidney Powell before we see exactly what she presents, it's a little premature. Has this election cycle gotten you stressed out, worn down? If so, time to bounce back. What's the number one mineral to fight stress and fatigue? Magnesium. Before I even signed... Bio-optimizers, by the way, I have to tell you, I've been using magnesium before I go to sleep every night. It totally works. It's amazing. And there's no bad side effects. You wake up with so much energy. I want you to try a new dietary supplement of veggie capsules with me called Magnesium Breakthrough from my friends of the show, Bio-Optimizers. This is the magnesium supplement I recommend because it combines all seven essential forms of magnesium into one convenient daily dosage. Most magnesium supplements fail because they are not full spectrum. When you get all seven critical forms of magnesium, so many functions in your body can get upgraded. The supplements are designed to enhance focus, sleep, reduce inflammation, and improve your body's reaction to stress. It's really worked for me, so check out Magnesium Breakthrough with me. Take two pills a day with your evening meal, and you can reverse magnesium deficiency in all of its forms. Use promo code KIRK10 for 10% off any order. Go to biooptimizers.com forward slash KIRK. That's B-I-O-P. T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash Kirk. Then use the promo code Kirk10 to apply the discount. So we have this letter here on Congress of the United States Stationery. It's really interesting. By Carolyn Maloney from the 14th District of New York, where it says, Dear Mr. Secretary, I'm writing regarding possible investments by the Venezuelan government in Smartmanic, a voting machine with business in the United States and its acquisition of Sequoia, a U.S.-based voting machine company. Specifically, I'm interested in any interactions these companies have had with the Department of Treasury in completing 
the acquisition of Sequoia, and whether this transaction went through the Committee on Foreign Investment in the United States. As you can imagine, having a foreign government investing in or owning a company that supplies voting machines for the United States could raise concerns over the integrity of elections conducted with these machines. Furthermore, I would would have concerns if this transaction was done outside of the CFIUS process, a process that puts in place appropriate examine these types of foreign investment. It goes on to then challenge the Department of uh, Treasury to look into this. We don't know what came of it. And according to WikiLeaks, which, again, there's not been one thing that's come out of WikiLeaks that has not been proven to be true, whether or not it was obtained, obtained legally or not, is open for interpretation. But the Venezuelan issue came up in an email or a memo by the State Department, quote, the Venezuelan-owned Smartmatic Corporation is a riddle, both in ownership and operation. This is our own State Department that wrote this, according to WikiLeaks. Complicated by the fact that its machines have overseen several landslide and contested victories by President Hugo Chavez and his supporters. The electronic voting company went from a small technology startup to a market player in just a few years. Catapulted by its participation in the August 2004 recall referendum, Smartmatic has claimed to be of United States origin, but its true owners, probably elite Venezuelans of several political strains, remain hidden behind a web of holding companies in the Netherlands and Barbados. The Smartmatic machines used in Venezuela are widely suspected of, though never proven conclusively to be susceptible to fraud. The company is thought to be backing out of a Venezuelan electoral events, focusing now on other parts of the world, including the United States, via its subsidiary Sequoia, End summary. That is a State Department memo, which aligns perfectly with Carolyn, Carolyn Maloney's concerns in 2006. In fact, Carolyn Maloney's actually still a congresswoman. And so in 2006, there's a CNN segment that warned over Venezuelan-controlled Smartmatic. We're going to get that clip and play it here, where there was a CNN segment that was actually warning against this. And so, look, all we're doing here is asking questions. And President Trump, different than President Obama, was very aggressive against Venezuela. Now, mind you, not as aggressive as John Bolton wanted to be. John Bolton wanted to, I think, bring 20,000 U.S. troops to Venezuela. In fact, in a very famous neoconservative moment, as John Bolton was going to a vending machine or going to the bathroom, he had a notebook that literally said 20,000 troops to Venezuela. Something of that variation. I could be getting the number wrong, but it's Completely true that that actually happened. But President Trump put forth massive sanctions, aggressive tariffs, and action against the murderous socialistic communist regime of the Venezuelan government. And so it wouldn't surprise anyone that Venezuela would now be trying to influence U.S. elections. China has a problem. China has a very serious problem. China has more people than any country on the planet. China has no ethical framework to work from. So they lie, steal, and cheat with no guilt and no conscience whatsoever. The problem that China has, though, in their quest to build a global empire is energy. They have very, very little access to energy through the Chinese mainland. This is one of the main reasons why China has made an alliance with the Iranian mullahs and the Iranian government. 
is because Iran is in some ways almost a third world economy now because of the crippling sanctions the Trump economy has put on them. But they still do have access to massive oil depositories, massive, at least top five across the, 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 the world. So China possibly aligning with the Venezuelan government would make a lot of sense. Venezuela does not have a lot, but they have more oil and more natural gas than any other country in the world. So China actually forming some form of pseudo alliance with Venezuela would make a lot of sense. Now, how they would transport a lot of that energy would be very complicated because the United States controls a lot of those sea lanes through the dominant United States Navy. But this is not this is not something that should surprise you that Venezuelan voting technology would actually be doing the wishes of the Chinese communist government. And remember, President Donald Trump being an anti-globalist, being someone that wanted to push back against the United Nations, the World Trade Organization, NAFTA, TPP, the complete and total surrender to China represents a massive threat to a lot of the agenda items of the international corporate class. A lot of the agenda items of Bill Gates, of Jeff Bezos, and the International Billionaire Coalition that wish to usher in a borderless one-world government and, quite honestly, not make America the preeminent benevolent superpower that it is. And this is all part of the Great Reset that they are talking about in Davos this coming 2021. We have a clip of Justin Trudeau saying just this, that the Chinese coronavirus, that the, the China flu, the plague that has come across all of Western civilization, now presents an amazing opportunity to now put forward a series of public policy proposals that then can give this an amazing opportunity for Medicare for all, for climate change, to combat racial injustice, as they put it. And so now we have evidence that there were warnings against this Venezuelan Smartmatic. Why there was no investigation into it, I'm not sure. Now we have evidence that the State Department was worried about it. And so where is the Federal Bureau of Investigation? In a glossed over part of some cable news coverage this weekend, it was reported that the FBI has zero current investigations into voter fraud across the country. None. Now, maybe that report was not accurate, but that's where we stand. We stand at a current status quo where if someone finds a rope in their garage as a professional NASCAR driver, you get 15 FBI agents almost instantaneously. If you fake a hate crime in Chicago, you send FBI agents almost instantaneously. Do we have that clip of Justin Trudeau? Listen to Justin Trudeau, who articulates something that is now called the Great Reset. They want to destroy America within the first 18 months by locking us down, putting forth a fear-based agenda, and they're admitting it. Play tape. Building back better means getting support to the most vulnerable while maintaining our momentum on reaching the 2030 Agenda for Sustainable Development and the SDGs. 
Canada is here to listen and to help. This pandemic has provided an opportunity for a reset. This is our chance to accelerate our pre-pandemic efforts to reimagine economic systems that actually address global challenges like extreme poverty, inequality, and climate change. The 2030 Agenda. What is the 2030 Agenda? Well, thankfully, we have that archived and the World Economic Forum, which is the world's billionaire sandbox where they go to Davos and they talk about how they want to make the planet in their image. They say there that they want people to rent, not own, and you'll be happier. You'll eat less meat, which is this kind of a silly one, that America will no longer be the dominant superpower on the planet. This is part of the Great Reset. And this all now plays into why they want to keep us perpetually locked down. This is why they don't want to get down to the bottom of this voter fraud. There is a multinational, international, multi-institutional effort to crush you. You see, the ruling class, they're very anxious. The global elites, they are impatient because Donald Trump interrupted their plans. And if Joe Biden is inaugurated as president of the United States, he will usher in a borderless China pandering Mandatory vaccination, pro-corporate agenda that is nothing more than the Davos 2020, 2030 agenda that Justin Trudeau talks about. We have to reimagine economic systems is what Justin Trudeau says. That we have to abolish private property. This is what's coming not in the 10 years. It's coming now. And that goes to show exactly why the Sidney Powell fight and why these lawsuits matter so much. And I want to go through some of the lawsuits that are still pending and soon to be submitted. I could tell you right now that if Joe Biden puts up his right hand and gets sworn in as president of the United States, we're going to have some serious problems. I think you all know that. Um, we have clip here of a CNN segment talking about the Venezuelan ties to Smartmatic. And interestingly enough, this was Lou Dobbs on CNN when he used to have a CNN show. Let's play that tape. The U.S. Treasury Department today would not confirm or deny if a so-called CFIUS review was underway on Smartmatic. Watchdog groups question why U.S. voting machines would be under the control of citizens of another country, especially a country whose own election process is highly suspect. We believe this is a national security issue. There is no way that companies belonging to non-U.S. corporations should have access to our election. In the case of uh, Smartmatic, there are a number of unanswered questions. Uh, that's why I wrote to the Secretary of the Treasury and asked them to review the ownership. It's offshore. It's murky. No one seems to know who owns it. Uh, certainly our government should know. So this was this is a little bit dated. This is about 14 years ago, right? 14, 15 years ago. Were these questions ever answered or was it like a typical Washington, D.C.? exercise where you bring up a good point and then you get threatened and blackmailed and suppressed and then you just never mention it again. I'm just curious whether or not these questions were answered 14 years ago 
when they were first presented. And so we know that foreign actors have been working with the Democrat Party in a variety of different ways to try and destroy Donald Trump. That's what the entire Ukrainian impeachment was all about. You see, the reason with the heavy emphasis on Russia and the hostility towards Russia is because the Democrats completely control Ukraine and they use it as a pseudo piggy bank for all of the ruling class families and their family members to be able to get board seats and positions so they can get walking around money or in the Biden case, private jet flying around money because they live quite an extravagant lifestyle for the Scranton Amtrak riding regular day Joe. He's got a lot of homes for being a middle class warrior. And so we know what these foreign actors are not just capable of, but what they're willing to do. And amazingly, the Democrats use this entire narrative of potential foreign interference to launch a special prosecutor and investigator in Bob Mueller in 2017. Republicans never should have authorized this. But Republicans trying to be the bigger person, trying to be decent, authorized the roaming special prosecutor far outside of his constitutional mandate, Bob Mueller, to go look into every single human being that was in the orbit of President Donald Trump. Now, what's the significance of that? Well, Republicans did this because we were worried that Democrats might lose total and complete faith in the American electoral system. We were worried because Democrats were starting to say that the Kremlin was dictating the direction of our elections. That bothered Republicans. We were worried that 30 or 40 million people, even though we agree with them on nothing, were going to lose faith in the future of our republic. And we said that is not a good thing for America. So we stepped up, and I think many Republicans incorrectly stepped up, and authorized the appointment of Bob Mueller. Now, I think Ron DeSantis actually voted against the appointment of Bob Mueller when he was a congressman and now governor of Florida, a terrific one. But Paul Ryan was one of the main driving forces behind the appointment of Bob Mueller. Bob Mueller, of course, then went and indicted everyone in remote proximity to Donald Trump. Roger Stone, Paul Manafort, none of none of which, by the way, for any form of interference into the 2016 election. That was his mandate. But Bob Mueller justified it with Andrew Weissman and his angry Democrats. We are always going to indict and prosecute when we come across crimes. When you have that kind of prosecutorial authority, it makes the FBI and the DOJ look like they have their hands tied. And that was nothing more than a Trump delegitimization campaign to try to make it look like he was surrounded by a bunch of bad actors. And with that, Michael Cohn got tied up and he turned and went against President Trump. This was all part of a broader strategy to use Republicans worry about foreign interference against them to try and debase President Trump's political base and try to get what they wanted. And now Democrats are the ones saying, Why would you dare say that a foreign actor could interfere in our election? It's the most secure election in American history. You were the ones that were pushing for us to get this authorized back in 2016. And in no way is it healthy for 70 million people to now say, I no longer trust our elections. You remember when money used to seem so simple? The global economy has become so complex. It makes the average investor freeze and do nothing. 
I believe in seeking wise financial counsel and not being controlled by fear. Let's say you have an old 401k sitting dormant and looking for a home. With new currencies and pandemic threats, there's never been a more logical time to ensure that your 401k is properly protected. For free advice on how to win with precious metals in an IRA, I trust the friends of the show, Noble Gold. Gold and silver are easy to buy and sell, plus they can be extremely enjoyable to collect. Home delivery of gold and silver coins make getting started easy. If you're open to talk to an analyst about intelligent options that fit your lifestyle, pick up the phone now and call Noble Gold. I use Noble Gold for my gold needs, and you should too. NobleGoldInvestments.com. That's NobleGoldInvestments.com. Even though some people are taking the week off, it's still a busy and critical news week. Week of news, I should say. I want to read this story here. It's very interesting. It is from Newsweek. That's why I was saying that. <laughs> uh, Newsweek.com. Trump wants Congress to decide election, and that strategy could win, Dershowitz says. The real end game for President Donald Trump's lawyers is to throw the 2020 election into the House of Representatives, where Trump would prevail. I think the tra- strategy of the Trump legal team is not to get him to 270, but keep Joe Biden from getting to 270, Dershowitz told Zenger News. I don't think this is a charade of some kind, Dershowitz says. He believes the legal claims advanced by Republicans appear to be largely sound. Isn't it amazing how you don't hear a lot about this in the activist news? You have to dig for it. Alan Dershowitz, who for a long time was considered to be the premier legal mind in our country. Alan Dershowitz, who is Harvard Law Chair, or at least some position of leadership in Harvard Law. He was an attorney for the president, of course, during impeachment. Alan Dershowitz has been a long fighter for what he describes as civil rights, as for the disadvantaged. And this is what Dershowitz says. Vice President Biden is not yet the president-elect. He has not gotten the 270 certified votes yet, Dershowitz says. There are so many contingencies that could occur that anyone who tells you now with 100% certainty they can predict the outcome is not going to be straight with you. It's Alan Dershowitz, everybody. Dershowitz spoke for, for the president during the 2020 impeachment trial, is what it says, and represented a collection of Democrat Party voters in Palm Beach County who, due to a poor ballot design, mistakenly voted for conservative Patrick Buchanan instead of Al Gore in the 2000 presidential election. He, the, he outlined the scenario that has, quote, a very small chance of happening involving officials in several states denying Biden at least 37 electors. But he said a perfect storm will have to happen, a vote counting and recounting, narrowing the numbers in three states, and it would require judicial opinions in favor of President Trump. But he said the president's court challenges, as Alan Dershowitz, could have legal legs in the U.S. Supreme Court. A majority of the high court's justices describe themselves as strict constructionists who are guided by the plain meaning of the U.S. Constitution's words as they are commonly understood in 1789. I'm reading from Newsweek.com here. The Constitution gives state legislatures, not judges or other officials, sole power to determine election results, rules. In the case of Pennsylvania, the state legislature adopted legislation saying that no ballots received after the closing of election day could be counted. The judges later ruled, ruled that they could be. The Supreme Court could overthrow that and side with the Republican-led legislature. This is Alan Dershowitz who thinks that the legal challenges are sound. It's funny how that doesn't make its way into the New York Times, who says this is a threat and assault on democracy. So here's a question that I don't think 
enough people have asked. Why don't we have the British system? Why don't we have the French or the Italian system? Why, why is it in America that we have an election and this kind of uncomfortable, albeit at times clumsy, multi-month period before inaugurating the new leader? Why is that? Why is it that we have an election and there's this November, December, and January period of potential transition? Why don't we do it like the Brits do or the French or the Germans where they have a parliamentary election and literally the next hour a new prime minister could be sworn in? It's that quick. Whether it be from the resignation of Neville Chamberlain to Winston Churchill taking office to Boris Johnson filling the seat of Theresa May. That was her name, Theresa May. It happens very quickly. A new government can take over, new prime minister, no transition. Why this multi-month waiting period? It's because the American system is a federalized system. And this process that is playing out in the courts right now is precisely why the founding fathers designed a waiting period, a 79-day waiting period. Why 79 days? Well, 79 days allows you to go to the courts and certify state by state, look for fraud, be able to canvas the problems, interview potential witnesses, and then come to a conclusive result that is rooted in truth. That's why. And this force of the media that is being pushed upon us that Joe Biden basically should be calling the shots now is much more European than it is American. And the reason is that the multi-month, 79-day waiting period is there to make sure we get the result done correctly. Remember, the states created the federal government. The federal government didn't create the states. That a state-run system through state legislatures, who then send their electors through a federalized system, takes time. Every state will go through a different process of counting ballots of being able to mitigate their differences, of being able to investigate fraud claims. The Founding Fathers recognized this in the Federalist Papers. They wanted this multi-month transitional process. They wanted a 79-day window. And now we're in the 79-day window, and the activist media and the legal intelligentsia that go on television say there's no standing to these claims. Mind you, they have not been briefed on the evidence that President Trump has to put in front of courts. They have a couple little sound bites that Rudy Giuliani gave at a press conference. That's a really bad way to come forth and give a verdict. It's really funny because the very same legal minds that we see on TV who are quick to all of a sudden judge President Trump based on his election claims are also really slow Anytime that there's a high-profile murder case that comes across the radar screen of the American public, whether it be O.J. Simpson or Casey Anthony, any one of these big high-profile cases that go to trial, these legal minds always are like, well, I want to go see all the arguments. I want to see all the evidence. They don't say that when it comes to President Trump. They say, oh, I know exactly there's no voter fraud. Do you really? Have you heard the witnesses? Have you read every affidavit? 
Have you looked into the data discrepancies? Are you completely and totally familiar as if you were a juror or a judge in this process of exactly what is behind the complaints being put forward by the Trump campaign? No. What is happening here by the New York Times, Washington Post, Huffington Post, and all these other news outlets alongside the Democrat elite and the Republican establishment is a growing sense of impatience. We've waited long enough. We've put up with this guy enough. Now it's time to get rid of him. I can't wait any longer. Again, it's how a petulant child would act. In 2016, the Trump campaign and those of us that are conservatives and Republicans had to deal with bizarre legal challenges from Jill Stein, from Hillary Clinton, and many others that were not very well covered about potential election fraud and interference into the election in Wisconsin and Michigan and Pennsylvania. Just so happens it was a secure election, mostly because there were not mail-in ballots coming from every single direction. In Georgia, for example, there were 240,000 more or less ballots in 2016. might be 260. It's right in that window. In 2020, 1.3 million ballots. So here's a really good question that the New York Times should ask, that the Washington Post should ask, but they won't. What assurances were we given by Raffensperger and by Kemp that the Georgia Secretary of State and the election counting process were prepared for a tenfold increase in mail-in ballot requests? So one year ago, one year ago, the Chinese coronavirus was not publicly known. It might have been in our country. We don't know when it came to our country. Some, some very smart minds think it was here as early as about a year ago. But a year ago, Raffensperger and Kemp and these Georgia Republicans had no knowledge whatsoever, or at least they should have had no knowledge whatsoever, of a tsunami or a hurricane of mail-in ballots. It wasn't until March, April, or May did we start to see the rapid escalation and demand of the Democrats that we need mail-in ballots for every single person. And what resulted was 1.3 million ballots in Georgia, whereas before we had 260,000. Were they ready for that? And when you have that many ballots, of course fraud is going to happen. You know, many Republicans think that they are going to be in charge if Joe Biden gets inaugurated president of the United States and these legal challenges end up not being successful. There's a, there was an amazing caller who called into Rush Limbaugh, the great Rush Limbaugh, who frames the current status of the Republican Party perfectly. And for any Republican who thinks that things are going to go back to the Chamber of Commerce, open border, China appeasement, corporate agenda is sadly mistaken. President Donald Trump has changed the Republican Party for better. It is now a party that represents people who shower before work and after work. It is a party that represents the muscular class in this country that is winning record amounts of black and Hispanic voters. And the traditional Republican establishment, they just want to be in power. They want crony corporate deals to be cut. And they couldn't care less about the significant progress that President Donald Trump has achieved for our country. Listen to this singular caller on the Rush Limbaugh show. So incredibly well done. It gives a perfect and accurate picture of where the Republican Party is and where we are headed. Play tape. We spent our lives voting for these people because they're not them. And we just can't do it anymore. 
tired of being stabbed in the back, Rush. It's better to have an enemy that's in front of you than a friend that's behind you that's just going to stab you. We were in Washington on Saturday. Me and my 33-year-old son, we saw more people than we've ever seen in our lifetime. I have never seen so many people. But were there any Republicans there? No. None. None. Yep. No one stands for us, Rush. God forbid. What do we have left? I love my president. This man has given more to this country than anybody, and he has no need to. None. He's a billionaire. He doesn't need this. And the point that was being made is where were the congressional now, Louis Gohmert was there, I think. Louis Gohmert was at the march. But where were the senatorial and congressional Republicans marching alongside? Many of them want this Trump era to be over. What they don't realize is that President Donald Trump has remade the Republican Party no different than how FDR remade the Democrat Party in the 1930s and 1940s. FDR philosophically changed the Democrat Party for generations. President Donald Trump has done the same. And Madison Cawthorn was there, I have to say. Congressman-elect Madison Cawthorn. And for Republicans that want to go back to the days of unifying with the Democrats, they should resign or they should change their party affiliation. Because that caller speaks for millions and millions of people. And this is something that the Republican establishment, I hope, will learn very quickly is that we tolerate you, we don't support you. It's a very big difference. We tolerate you. And this caller has more wisdom than anything that I have heard or read on most cable television programs in the last couple weeks, where he says, I am tired of voting for Republicans because they're not them. And by the way, I get that. I think that That's still a moral thing to do. It's the right thing to go vote for a Republican establishment candidate because it's not a Democrat. Fine. But then President Trump comes along and actually does everything he says he's going to do. The wall starts getting built. Iran deal canceled. TPP exited. Paris Climate Court exited. Peace in the Middle East between Israel, UAE, Bahrain, and Sudan. China being held accountable, incredible amounts of redomiciling of manufacturing jobs, best economy in American history. And the Republican establishment looks like fools, and they should, because they've been in charge the last 30 or 40 years, and he's fixing those problems. And so I'm starting to see a lot of signs of Republicans start to start to signal that hey, it's time to move past this Trump moment. It's actually time to do the opposite. He got the second most votes of any candidate in American history. He's the most popular Republican in American history. That's right. He's the most popular electoral Republican in American history. One more black and Hispanic voters of any candidate running as a Republican since 1960. He won the Rio Grande Valley, which a Republican has not won since 1906. His ideas are incredibly popular. And Republicans prior to Trump were representing ideas that were increasingly unpopular with Americans. And yet a small subset of D.C. ruling elites want him to go away because they can't control him. And we have a little bit of a newsflash for those Republicans. Those ideas are here to stay. One of my favorite 
lies and myths that is told by the media is that there is no evidence of widespread voter fraud. If I would have told you 10 years ago, 15 years ago, that 89,000 people in the Boy Scouts of America would claim that they were sexually abused by people that were involved with the Boy Scouts of America, you'd say there's no evidence of that. Say, okay. If I would have told you in the 1960s or 1970s that hundreds of members of just the Boston Catholic Church were involved in molesting children, you would have said there was no evidence of that. If I would have told you 20 years ago that Jeffrey Epstein was involved in trafficking women internationally for the delight of an international ruling class, you would have said there's no evidence of that. Sit down and shut up. You don't find something unless you start looking into it. This stuff is not like discovering El Dorado, where you just stumble across it in the midst of a jungle. You actually have to do investigative work. You have to interview people. You have to have some form of integrity and direction to actually be able to uncover whatever might be happening. And so the chattering class says that our elections are as secure as ever. Mail-in voting is wonderful, despite the evidence being to the opposite. And let's just look at this logically and rationally. Think about this in your own life. People cheat on everything. People cheat in school. Most of high school, by the way, and most of college is nothing more than how do you cut corners better? How are you able to game the system? It's not about learning, especially in high school. Kids cheat on the SAT exams. People cheat in sports. People cheat in Monopoly. This Thursday, Thanksgiving, millions of families will probably open up board games. People will cheat in those board games. People cheat when they drive to work. They run red lights. They ignore signs. People cheat on their taxes all the time. Cheating, the cutting of corners, is part of the human condition. People cheat in sports. The New England Patriots probably cheated every once in a while. I'm sure some of our producers here on the Charlie Kirk show really liked that one. The point is that people cheat when it just seems completely and totally inconsequential. A football game is not going to determine the future of the Republic. And a football game certainly is not going to determine who is running a $4 trillion government. And so if people cheat on things that are seemingly inconsequential, such as monopoly or trivial pursuit or poker or in traffic to try to get somewhere five minutes faster, then wouldn't it be logical to assume that when you have 165 million people, more or less, I think it's about 155 million people voted, 160 million, that participate in a singular exercise where the prize is not being crowned the winner of Trivial Pursuit, is not getting Monopoly dollars, And it's not being able to say that you won on Thanksgiving evening. It's not even being able to say you got there six minutes faster. The prize is control of a $4 trillion government for four years 
to control the most powerful military in the history of the planet, geopolitical decisions that will impact every single country, and the future of the republic. So we're supposed to believe that Americans and human beings cheat everywhere. They cheat on their taxes. They cheat in board games. But when it comes to voting, everyone acts perfectly and ethically, even though the prize is the biggest prize. There's a multi-trillion dollar money laundering industry every single year in this country. Guess what? That money laundering industry was never known and it was never revealed until we started looking into it. As the drug trade started to spread throughout the 1970s and 80s in our country, all of a sudden, serious investigations were launched and it's saying, how deep is the cash cleaning industry in America? People that have dirty dollars and want to get them into the American system. Multi-trillions of dollars is what investigations found. Now, we didn't know that until we started looking into it. It was all suspicion. It was all conjecture. If you'd walk into a random laundromat in New Jersey or a deli in Los Angeles that might be posing as a front for the cartel or for the mob to clean dollars, there's no thing that would lead you to believe that it was necessarily a money laundering outfit. It might just appear that it's normal. They're serving product. But until you can look at their books, until you can see the pattern of customers over a longer period of time, you can then could lead to the suspicion that someone actually might be using that as a front to accomplish something criminal. And so we have a pattern of behavior and irregularities that is more than just suspicious. It is pretty evidentiary that this election was stolen, that President Donald Trump, absent to cheating, absent of the cutting of corners, would have been easily elected as the second, for a second term of President of the United States. And so we are supposed to believe that the ultimate prize of controlling our government, the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Justice, that people are not going to now organize themselves into criminal units to then be able to win that prize. And the very same sort of deflection tactics that are being used by the activist media and the Democrat Party was being used by the Catholic Church and the Archdiocese of Boston when they started to get looked into for their covering up of their crimes in the 60s and 70s. And I use that example intentionally because it was so taboo to even ask the question that you weren't even allowed to talk about it in the heavily dominant Catholic city of Boston until reporters start to look into it. This idea that we have not had previously undiscovered criminal networks in this country is so incredibly laughable. And people say, well, voting is transparent and it's secure. No, it's not. How do you know who's filling out these ballots when they're flying in from every single direction? When Georgia has 1.3 million ballots and you're not... You're not doing the signature verification that you were doing in previous years. How do you know that? And the answer is you don't. In fact, it's logical to believe that part of the 
infrastructure that would try and move drugs, move guns, that would be heavily involved in criminal activity, would also be involved in trying to supplant our elections. We now have whistleblowers that have come out in Wisconsin that have said that all 20 of her clients were forced forced to vote for Joe Biden, developmentally disabled clients. As of right now, no FBI investigation into that. We have Facebook posts from the Nevada Native Project that we have sh- we showed on this program on Friday, where the Nevada Native Project was exchanging literally a picture of a crime being committed under federal law of a gas card for a ballot. No federal investigation into that. We have sworn affidavits and guests that we've had on this program of military ballots being suspiciously filled out. And also, we have heard what the left thinks Donald Trump is. And I've said this before on this program. If I thought Benito Mussolini was occupying the White House, I would cheat as well. And part of the strategy of the New York Times and the Washington Post and the intelligentsia in this country that have done such a disservice to the dialogue have been giving people the intellectual permission to cheat. They've been giving people the intellectual permission to cheat by portraying Donald Trump as someone that he isn't. Therefore, millions of people will rise up as if they think they're fighting a 1930s FUA, when in reality, he's a duly elected president of the United States who's the opposite of what they say. The New York Times and the Washington Post have given moral cover fire to any cheating that happened across the country because they'll be able to justify it with themselves as saying, I am participating in the overthrow of an evil man that is no different than someone that would have served in command of the Wiremarked. Wiremarked, never pronounced that right. Mother Jones, which I think missed their calling being the the preferred newspaper of Joseph Stalin has just come out. They came out with an article about a year ago. It's amazing. I love using prior pieces of writing from the Stalinistic left against them. So Mother Jones came out with a article that said researchers assembled over 100 voting machines. Hackers broke into every single one. A cybersecurity exercise highlights both new and unaddressed vulnerabilities riddling U.S. election systems by A.J. Vicens. Mother Jones, September 27th, 2019. Participants were able to find new ways or replicate previously published methods of compromising every one of the devices. And it's part of this study. It's a report called DEFCON 27, Voting Machine Hacking Village. And it's a really comprehensive report that is covered here by Mother Jones, who very well could be running the Pullet Bureau for the American left, where it says... Commercially available voting systems, hardware used in the United States remains vulnerable to attack. It's the executive summary. It's amazing how the activist media has now completely pivoted away from this. And now, so the question should really be, why was Mother Jones covering this back in September of 2019? The answer is very clear. The reason why Mother Jones was putting this out into the zeitgeist, the reason why Mother Jones was putting this out into the ether 
is because Trump was super popular in September of 2019 with a humming economy, with a massive amount of accomplishment. That in September of 2019, Democrats were growing increasingly worried that Trump might win the election legitimately about 14 months from then. And they wanted to start to beat the drum and delegitimize any form of Trump momentum. Now, mind you, this is before the Chinese coronavirus. This is before the lockdowns. So the Democrat narrative prior to the Chinese coronavirus is Trump's really popular, but not really because our elections can be compromised and that's going to help Trump. When in reality, compromised elections could help anyone. It could help Democrats, could help Joe Biden. We also have the MSNBC clip. Can we play that from 2019 of the exact same thing? So mind you, here you have an Atlanta, I mean, you have the Mother Jones piece. You had the Politico piece that was written a couple years before, how you can hack an election in seven minutes or less. And now you have this MSNBC piece. I want to play that. But just before I do, think about how the Democrats were covering potentially compromised elections. And now they don't. Now that it doesn't fit their power grabbing narrative. This is not journalism. This is destination narrative based storytelling. Play tape. We're among some of the greatest hacking minds in the country, people who've been brought together by, uh, uh, you know, above board companies to try to be as creative as they can and as insidious as they can in attacking systems like you see behind me. These are some of the most common systems used as of 2018 in elections. And so they're here to really test this stuff out. One of the big vulnerabilities we're definitely seeing here is is just the the incredible, the, the dated nature of this technology. It is extremely old. A lot of it dates from the 90s. So this is MSNBC trying to delegitimize our voting systems in this country. Now all of a sudden they say they're completely secure. We love them. They worked for us. There's no problems. Nothing to see here. And again, we've been through this many times in our program, which is how is it that Republicans did so unbelievably well across the country, better with blacks, better with Hispanics, better in D.C., better in Chicago, better in Beverly Hills. Trump won Beverly Hills. But suddenly the four cities that matter that stopped counting votes all of a sudden were the outliers. Why is that? And why is it that no one's asking that question in the activist news media? It's because we all know the answer to that. The activist news media, because of a self-reinforcing construct that has been created, they do not see themselves as truth tellers. They don't see themselves as people that are trying to be objective. They have now put on their activist helmet. The activist helmet means I don't care what has to be said. I don't care what has to be done. We got to get rid of this guy. And that's never been the proper role of journalism in this country. And that's exactly why the institutions are crumbling. It's why post-Trump, they're going to have a really hard time continuing to keep their profit model going. And I'm going to tell you exactly how they are going to do that. It's a longer explanation. But the activist chattering class has now said, we don't care about covering this. And so I want to play some more tape here. Sidney Powell has said that coming very soon, we will see some revelations. So I think we have this uh, Sidney Powell clip cut seven. And so where she explains the timeline she expects for her case, let's play cut seven. 
Well, I don't <clears throat> personally, I don't expect to file anything by Monday. I'm hoping we can get it ready by Wednesday. If not, it should be ready by Friday. But it's a massive project to pull this fraud claim together. But are you saying the, you're going to file the same? The way the, the media is going about this is absolutely ridiculous and unreasonable to expect us to put evidence in right now. But I could wait a month to file the fraud case and everybody would have to undo their certifications because it's so bad. And so let me tell you what's going on with Sidney Powell. I think there's been a lot of online chatter saying, has the Trump campaign or has the Trump team thrown her under the bus or as they have they put her out to pasture? I could use any form of one of these statements. Look, Sidney Powell has set the bar very, very high. And I am going to give Sidney Powell time and space to begin to make her argument, especially in front of a court. With that being said, I am not alone in this. I think it is time for Sidney Powell to start to pepper the narrative, start to tease us with what she has. I think it is time for Sidney Powell to go public with what she can reveal. And let me tell you why. The court of public opinion in the narrative war is just as important at times as the jury court or as the deliberation in front of a judge. Winning the New York Times over is never going to happen, but winning the Wall Street Journal over will. Winning over some of these center-right publications is critically important. And Sidney Powell has set the bar very high where she believes that Joe Biden will have to disband his presidential transition team and Trump will send a se- serve a second term. Let me be very clear. I am cheering for her enthusiastically because I believe that if Sidney Powell is given the space to be able to make her argument with the right evidence, that can be a very, very effective form of reasoning and potentially give Donald Trump a second term. I want to play tape here more around Sidney Powell, and I want to build out more of this because it's very important. Do we have, I think we have another Sidney Powell tape, or there was one. That, yeah, yeah, okay. Um, can I play cut 16, please? Can we play cut 16? That'd be helpful. This cannot go on. Our votes must be counted fair and true. Every legal vote is entitled to be counted, and every illegal vote nullifies the vote of an American citizen and our our public will of we the people. It's absolutely counter to everything this country was founded on. So we have got to get this fixed now. We can't, I can't unsee it. I'll tell you that. I certainly cannot unsee what I have seen. And I'm going to make sure everybody else knows everything I've seen too, because we've got to hold our government institutions accountable. and And she cannot unsee what she has seen. Again, Sidney Powell is not She does not bluff. She does not go in front of the American people and bluster without evidence. Let's play cut 17 of Sidney Powell saying she has much more evidence than hundreds of thousands of people. You'll hear her play cut 17. And when you when you lay all this out and you're going to do this in court, uh, do you have what you think is irrefutable evidence that will that will make up the minds of millions of American people? Frankly, with everything we've got, these should be criminal prosecutions at a at a significant level. There are hundreds of thousands of people in our criminal system right now in prison who were convicted on far less evidence of guilt than we have here. Wow. That there are hundreds of thousands of people that were already convicted with far less pieces of evidence of guilt that we have here. So here's my take on Sidney Powell. I think that she should be given 
the space and the trust because she's earned her trust with what she's done with Michael Flynn and the, and the exposing of this 302s and Peter Strzok, Strzok, Smirk and all of that, that she should be given trust that she has what she says she has. With that being said, I think it is time to ask Sidney Powell to start to reveal or tease or show parts of what she is sitting on because there are 30 to 40 million people that have their hopes up right now. And if 30 or 40 million people are going to be endlessly strung out for the next couple months and then let down seriously when Joe Biden might get inaugurated as the next president of the United States, that's not a healthy way to handle this either. And if Sidney Powell is correct, and we have no reason to believe that Sidney Powell would be lying to us, she doesn't have a track record of that, then this would be, as Tucker Carlson said, the largest political scandal in American history. It would be. And so Sidney Powell has earned a couple weeks of us waiting for her to lay out the lawsuits and lay out the evidence. And also, in a, in a lawsuit complaint, there is opportunity in the complaint to provide at least on the surface what evidence you are going to supply to the court. So people are asking at freedom at charliekirk.com, why is she no longer on the Trump legal team? It is my opinion that she wants to act on her own timing and her own capacity. And the Trump legal team is going to focus much more on signature verification and process Whereas Sidney Powell is going for the grand slam, bases loaded, ninth inning, two outs, game seven World Series. She's going for the big hit that could reverse everything. And I really hope she's right. And if Sidney Powell ends up not being able to prove this, she will have some explaining to do because she has said in no uncertain terms that she thinks that Joe Biden will have to disband his entire transition team. Those are, those are fighting words. Let's just be honest, right? That's, those are big level claims. I want to get to some of our questions, but first I want to thank some of you that are supporting us at charliekirk.com slash support. Barbara from Virginia, thank you. Uh, Tamala from Alabama, thank you. Teresa from Kansas, thank you. Kim from North Carolina, thank you. Big monthly supporter, thank you. Barbara from Kalispell, thank you. Trish from Louisiana, New Orleans, Nolens. Thank you. Veronica from New York. Thank you. Josiah from Texas. Thank you. This is all at charliekirk.com slash support. Frank from California. Thank you. Marianne from Maine. Thank you. And if you support on a monthly basis, we have private Zoom meetings with all of our monthly supporters at charliekirk.com slash support where you can ask me questions live. We're also getting questions about, do you think that Sidney Powell has the evidence? We don't know. But also, I think that we should allow this process to play out, that Sidney Powell, being in the justice system, being from a former prosecutorial background and dealing with this, I don't think she would be saying this stuff as a complete bluff. I don't. I think that she does have something that she might have whistleblowers and hard evidence that would reinforce her claims. And after the heroic work that she has done with Lieutenant General Michael Flynn, I think she more than has deserved our trust to wait and see what she has done. But I also say this, and I cushion that statement with this, she has set the expectations very high. 
I do know people that have texted me saying, where's the bombshell? Where's the bombshell? And I'm hearing from sources internally that it should be coming soon. And I'm hearing from other people that are saying, we don't know if it's going to happen. And I think that might be part of the schism that is happening right now. And time will really tell. Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. And please subscribe to the Charlie Kirk Show podcast. Take Take out your phone, please. And take out, if you have an iPhone, there's an, there's an Apple podcast app. It's purple. Uh, just click on that purple podcast app, type in Charlie Kirk Show, hit subscribe, give us a five-star review. If you screenshot that subscription and email it to us, freedom at charliekirk.com, we will pick three people that I will, se- I will send a signed copy of the MAGA Doctrine, the subscriptions on the podcast side, and also you guys hitting that bell and that subscribe on YouTube helps us keep going. We are staying on top of all of this news, everybody. It's more important than ever that we are relentless and that we are investigative in nature. It's Thanksgiving week, but we are in the chair, diving deep, doing the work that matters. I will answer this question right here. Is it possible that there is a disinformation campaign against Sidney Powell? I would not, I would not put it past foreign actors from trying to discredit and trying to debase the amazing work that so many patriots are doing to uncover all this election fraud. And we are working at actually trying to platform some whistleblowers that might have some very, very, very big information. And you guys make that possible at charliekirk.com slash support. You guys can reach me directly, freedom at charliekirk.com with any questions you have um, or things that you are thinking about or you want us to cover. Thank you guys for watching. We'll be back very soon. God bless you guys. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. If you want to get involved with Turning Point USA, where we play offense with a sense of urgency to win America's culture war, and if you want to come down to our big conference in Palm Beach in just about a month, it's tpusa.com slash SAS. That's tpusa.com slash SAS. Email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com. Please consider supporting us at charliekirk.com slash support. Thanks so much for listening. Talk to you soon. God bless.